0: And an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh fis Turmi.
0: ara igornamion fracht Today on the Indo Daily, how a former actor became Ukraine's president and is now leading a nation under Russian attack. Videos of a country at war are on our every screen, but Vladimir Zelensky's selfie speeches have become a major part of international coverage.
1: This is the remarkable thing, when you look at him every day he's there on social media showing that he's still in the centre of Kiev. And despite
0: being Russia's number one target, Zelensky is continuing to speak out,
1: rallying the Ukrainian people and demanding international support. We are Europe, we are one of you, and Europe's fight is happening here in our country. Prove that you are
0: with us, prove that you will not let us go. So who is Volodymyr Zelensky and how did he become Ukraine's leader and is he exactly what a country fighting for its freedom needs right now?
1: His decision to stay and fight and as he said himself he is target number 1 his family is target number 2. If he had left it would have been a very different story. You can imagine how disheartened people would have been. We've hardly slept for seven nights. Or we sleep. But anxiously. My dears, the time will come when we'll be able to sleep. But it'll be after the war, after the victory, in a peaceful country as we need.
0: I'm Denise Kalnan, and today I'm joined by Donica O'Bakon, Professor of Politics at Dublin City University, to tell us about the unlikely leader who became hero to a nation at war with his superpower. Donika, I think the best place to start in this story is in the middle. This is a story about an actor who played a normal man who then became Ukraine's president in the TV show. Can you tell us a little bit about the Zelensky? that the Ukrainian people knew from the TV show, The Servant of the People?
1: Sure. Well, he would have been known to many people in Ukraine even before the series, but I think he came on certainly internationally in the Russian speaking world and a lot of people's radars uh, with that series, which was immensely popular. And I watched myself actually before he became president. So it was equally a surprise for me uh, when he became president. And it's it's very easy to understand why it was popular. And indeed it was on Netflix for, for those of you in Ireland who are, are Netflix subscribers. It was on Netflix recently with the um with English subtitles. So it is possible for English speakers to to watch it. And it is the story of a a history teacher, an ordinary man uh, who is, you know, giving lectures to his students every day? Very nice everyday kind of existence. Um, very normal home, living with his parents because, of course, teachers aren't paid well in Ukraine. Um, and um, he he he's asked his opinion by a, a student, more or less, about what's wrong with society. And he's kind of triggered in a way, and he he gives this, you know, speech to the class, um, almost dead poets society esque. And um, he, he's it's a rant. Um, but a student captures it on their mobile phone from uh, from a, from a neighbouring window, and the, the the video then is uploaded onto the internet. It becomes viral, um, and he becomes an overnight sensation uh, throughout Ukraine in 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 the series. And and then implausible as it may sound, he runs for president in the series and and becomes president. And that all happens in the first episode of of of, of what there's 51 episodes altogether. So the first episode, he's already been catapulted from history teacher to president of Ukraine. Ukraine. And it's very funny. And I, I, I can't stress, I've never laughed, I think, at a, a series as much as I've laughed at this one. It transcends all boundaries. Hello? Good morning, Mr. can I connect you with Angela Merkel? Yes, you can connect. Hello. My congratulations. We decided to take your country to the European Union. And I can, you can understand, therefore, why this series resonated with so many people in Ukraine, even though Zelensky wasn't the scriptwriter. I mean, he was the, the, the actor. But I think they felt that... You know, the the people who are behind this series, and it was his production company who were behind it, obviously know what's wrong in Ukraine. And therefore, they projected onto him all their hopes and aspirations for change. I mean, it's no coincidence that when he established the Servant of the People Party, which is the same name, of course, as the series, he made it a condition that everybody who stood for parliament for his party had never served in parliament before. So this was sending a signal that we are completely new, because those of you who have experience have the wrong kind of experience. You're corrupt. So we want a completely new political elite, and th- and that's that's the projection that that he he sent. He was very late in the day in even articulating a, a political campaign. He allowed people to think what they wanted to think about what he was going to do. And that's one of the reasons why um, I think he, he did so well in the elections. I mean, he 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 got seventy three percent of the vote in the second round. I mean, the, the largest ever. His political party won both colleges because uh, they have a, a complex electoral system where they they have a majoritarian and list system. They won majorities in both, which again was unprecedented. And it was because of that very general appeal, which, of course, once he became president, things became much more complicated. But it's a bit like, I mean, for Irish listeners, I think it's a bit like, uh, I'm a big fan, I'm sure many people are, of that movie Love Actually, and you have Hugh Grant becoming prime minister. It's a bit like if Hugh Grant actually became British prime minister, and then he became British prime minister, like Churchill will say, during World War II, because that's what Zelensky is facing now. He is a wartime president. So he's gone from being a comedian in this really fantastic show to being a wartime president and, and in the biggest war that Europe has seen uh, in decades, uh, all in the space of a couple of years. It's 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 a remarkable story, which is even more implausible than the series that projected him to fame.
0: He must have been popular with the public, Dunica, because he won Ukraine's Dancing with the Stars. He was also the voice of the Ukrainian voice of Paddington Bear. Who was this man and where did he come from? What was Zelensky's early life like?
1: In a way, it was very like many other people's uh, lives. Uh, He was born in 1978, so he would have been uh, 12 years old, 13 years old, uh, on the cusp of these teenage years as the Soviet Union collapsed. And that was a big trauma for many people. His parents uh, were, were Jewish, as he is, and, and therefore Jews in, in the Soviet Union would have had a, a certain limitation to how far they could go in society. Uh, so they tended to divert their energies, not into politics, uh, but into what, what was generally known as the intelligentsia, those who have education, uh, the arts and sciences. So his father was a professor, his mother was an engineer. And and he studied law, and it would the prospects for somebody in the 1990s would have been very difficult. This was when the whole society collapsed economically, politically. Um, so you know, studying law at the university would have been a, a mainstream thing to do. Um, but obviously, he didn't pursue uh, that career. Um, but I, I guess we should stress what it's like to be a Jew at the time. He, they were one of the very few uh, Jewish families that stayed because there was a once the Soviet Union collapsed, there was a huge exodus of Jews from uh, the Soviet. Union, uh, mainly to Israel, but also to America and other countries. And, and that actually had started in the 1970s, but that trickle became a deluge. So they were one of the very, you know, relatively small number of Jews who stayed. I mean, Jews today in, in Ukraine are about 0.2% of the population, according to the last census. So you know, the fact that he's president, and, and when he actually was elected president in 2019, the prime minister was also Jewish, it was indeed the only, Ukraine was the only country uh, in the world outside of Israel that had a Jewish president and a prime minister. All the more remarkable that Vladimir Putin's ostensible reason for invading Ukraine is the denazification of Ukraine. I mean, this gives you some idea of how absurd uh, the whole war uh, pretext is. But going back to his his trajectory, I mean, he he founded a company at a very young age, a production company. He, as you said contested Dancing with the Stars and more than contested he he won the 2006 Dancing with Stars and then he drifted into a range of movie uh, roles uh, and as you say did some also actors' voices on some well-known movies like Paddington um, so he was a well-known figure but not a central figure I mean he would have been a, ce- a minor celebrity I think is how we would call him before um, Servant of the People that was the revolutionary uh, series and as I said you only have to watch it to, to understand why it was so popular a special mention by the way, for his family in Servant of the People. Um, they they represent, I think, a lot of Ukrainian society. Um, you know, the, immediately when he becomes president, they start spending lots of money because now they think that, of course, you know, Ukrainian, the taxpayers' <laughs> money is their money. And that's a very common perception. And even today, Ukraine has still problems with corruption. Of course, that's not their biggest problem right now, to put it mildly. But And it's also one of the reasons that before this war broke out, his popularity was already beginning to decline. Uh, we, we've all forgotten that now, but he, that's... of the vote he got in 2019 had dropped to about 25% before the war broke out. So this war has very much transformed him. I mean, you know, the circumstances, you know, make the person, I guess, and come at the hour, come at the, the person. So don't forget, I mean, he was offered... Uh, a one-way ticket out of Ukraine at the beginning of the even before this war because of course uh, the intelligence that the Americans had and others suggested that this war would take place and they offered him to, to refuge outside and he said famously to them he said he wasn't looking for a ticket he was looking for ammunition and that he had told people when he was elected that he wasn't just the president every one of his citizens were presidents as well and he would be there with these people to see this out and I remain in the capital. My family is also in Ukraine. My children are in Ukraine. My family are not traitors. They are citizens of Ukraine. Where exactly they are, I have no right to say. According to the information we have, the enemy has marked me as target number one. My family as target number two. This is the remarkable thing when you look at him. Every day he's there on social media showing that he's still in the center of Kiev. Um, it's, it's you know, whereas Vladimir Putin, we, we, the contrast is just remarkable. We see Vladimir Putin, these long tables uh, where he's separated by about five meters from his staff. Um, a man who's very much isolated from, from his own people, not, not to mention the world. Whereas Zelensky has, as I said, been transformed into this, remarkable figure. Uh, and I think that's that's why he's 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 so much admired right now. So
0: when we think back to the beginning of his presidency, Donica, and his victory in April 2019, and the moment that he decided to run for president, which you said was actually quite late in the campaign. Can you give us a sense of what Ukraine was like then and what the main concerns of Ukrainian people would have been?
1: Sure. Well, when he when he decided to run for president, there was of course already a president, and that was uh, Poroshenko, um, uh, Petro Poroshenko, uh, known as the Chocolate King. He made his billions from from confectionery, uh, so a man who had a lot of money and a lot of connections, and and he took over, of course, after winning the presidency in two thousand and fourteen, which was the year that Crimea was annexed and the whole upheaval started in Ukraine, and. It's you know at the beginning of 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 the election campaign, it it looked that it was going to be a straight fight between Petro Poroshenko and Yulia Tymoshenko, known to some people as the Orange Princess uh, from the Orange Revolutionary days, uh, a, a remarkable individual in her own right, but. Would have been in many people's perception, uh, be a flawed figure, uh, a person who would have been part of the establishment, and and indeed her opponents would certainly have called her corrupt. Um, so, I think people in Ukraine looked at the electoral uh, you know landscape and were very tired at what they saw. So, Zelensky kind of rejuvenated people's uh, belief that there was an alternative, that there was something new, uh, because you know Poroshenko had not brought an end to the war, he had not really reformed the system so that corruption had been eliminated so the same problems existed in Ukraine and and people were looking for something dramatic and and Zelensky provided it and as i said earlier he he kind of deliberately was um, coy about articulating what he was standing for. Indeed, he he was accused of avoiding journalists throughout most of the campaign. And that was a deliberate strategy, which ultimately did work to his advantage. I mean, there were 39 candidates at the beginning of the campaign. As I said, by, by, by bringing a completely new campaign team with him, and by projecting this kind of like charisma of the little man, because that's what the whole series was about. It was about the little man taking on society. And so that's what people saw this campaign about. Uh, and he was very innovative in how he used social media uh, in particular. Some might say that it's part of a larger phenomenon. It's not just Ukrainian, that we're seeing kind of uh, celebrities and, and kind of popular, populism even, because I mean, there was a populistic, you know, element to his campaign. that That was also part of the recipe for success.
0: But do you think people were disappointed with him after his election to president. You did mention that his popularity started to to drop a little bit, Donica.
1: Absolutely, it did. And that was understandable. I mean, if you have such a a vague, you know, uh, platform, uh, which has no detail and people project onto that blank canvas all their hopes and aspirations, of course, they're going to be disappointed. And the the support began to melt quite quickly. Um, And but he was still by far and away the most popular candidate you know, for the presidency one year after being elected. But as I said, it had dipped to 25% shortly before the war. But again, he was still the most popular candidate in Ukraine. But that trajectory probably would have continued. No president has succeeded in getting re-elected in Ukraine in 20 years. They've had five presidents during that 20-year period. So it looked like he was just one more president uh, who had started with a high support base and, and 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 saw it melt before his eyes. And as I said, the war is essentially what transformed uh, that political fortune.
0: And what is, what was Zelensky's position with Russia and did he want to make peace with Russia? And did the Russians take him seriously? Did Putin take him seriously during the early time of his presidency?
1: No, I think he was considered to be many things that he was not. Perhaps that he was, uh, you know, complete political novice uh, with no views of his own. I mean, he was, of course, inexperienced. But it, it quickly emerged that he was a person of substance as well. Some feared that he would also be a puppet of of the uh, oligarch who had been financing a lot of his uh, campaign uh, and had been involved in his TV company. Um, so th- th- there were worries uh, in, in in that respect. Um, and and but the fact that he brought an entirely new political elite with him did uh, provide some degree of confidence uh, that he he might be able to have the courage and 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 the will to take on the vested interests, but the vested interests are so entrenched in Ukraine. I mean, that's that's where I think he was always going to to come up against uh, this brick wall. And of course, then he's he, he had the additional problem of of uh, Donald Trump. My call was perfect. The president yesterday of Ukraine said there was no pressure put on. Him whatsoever, none whatsoever. And he said it- um, You know, because it's now forgotten because, of course, everything is eclipsed by the war. But Ukraine was at the center of Donald Trump's impeachment uh, scandal, where he more or less threatened uh, Zelensky in a well publicized phone conversation. It wasn't publicized at the time, it took place in July 2019. It was publicized in September. But more or less, he threatened to withhold $400 million of aid that Congress had already approved for Ukraine if. Zelensky didn't try and dig up some dirt on Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who had a, a long time connection with Ukraine. And, the, you know, you can see in the conversation how vulnerable Ukraine's position is because America is supposed to be an ally of Ukraine. And um, Donald Trump is, is is quite clearly bullying him. He's saying, we've been very good to Ukraine, but it really hasn't worked the other way. What have you done for us? So here's an opportunity for you to prove that you're America's friend. But of course, what he meant by that was doing Donald Trump's work. So he kind of merged American Donald Trump into 1 but at the beginning of the campaign he he did try he did give the impression that he would make peace a priority and and that he said things like he would go down on his knees before Vladimir Putin if it would bring peace to Ukraine. I mean he was trying to say that this is far bigger than me. And of course you have to remember that Zelensky is as comfortable with the Russian language as he is with the Ukrainian language and has made a deliberate attempt to reach out to Russian speakers in Ukraine and also which is by the way is the majority people um the majority people would speak U- Russian as their first language. Though there's a huge, you know, number of people who speak Ukrainian as well, for much the same reasons that people speak English in Ireland. I mean, there was a strong Russification campaign in Ukraine over many uh, centuries. But he's also, in his recent speeches, reached out to the Russian population directly. I mean, I think he's hoping that they'll be his, his speech will be reported on social media because, of course, it's not going to be reported by the state media in Russia. But he's reached out to them and said, "Look, we, you know, we 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 know." each other. I mean, like we have we have a long affection and, uh, and affinities towards each other. We are different, we're not the same, but there's no reasons why we should be at war with each other. So he's 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 made this very clever attempt to try and, you know, go go around Putin and try and directly appeal to to to, to the Russian people.
0: Donica many of us have been following the news coverage of Russia building up their troops on the border, you know, from two weeks ago As a leader, do you think Zelensky was doing enough at that point in the crisis? Nobody seemed to actually believe that war was going to happen. Was Zelensky one of those people?
1: I think he saw his role primarily as calming his people and not allowing them to panic. It's often been compared by friends of mine in Ukraine, you know, the reality of living beside Russia is living next to a volcano and that you regularly feel tremors and yet nothing necessarily happens. And therefore, you don't want to be the one instilling panic in people and getting them to flee before actually there is an explosion. So I think he had a very delicate balancing act in the run-up to the war because it didn't. we didn't know it was inevitable. We didn't know the form it would take. There were all sorts of theories about even if there was a military incursion, what would it be like? And I think nobody in their worst nightmares really, really believed that this would happen. I think it's it's difficult to criticize him in that respect. I mean, he was, some did criticize him. Some said that he should be taking it more seriously. It's very interesting now that he's a wartime president and and excelling in it, how much it was clear beforehand that he wasn't comfortable. This was not part of his kind of comfort zone talking about war. He was very much trying to stress unity, peace. So for example, on Wednesday, the, the week before, when this was the day, the 16th of February, when the Americans had kind of put it out there that there might be an invasion, um, he he called a day of, of of peaceful unity and trying to unite the people, playing the anthem. I should mention, by the way, the national anthem of Ukraine is called Ukraine is not dead yet. Uh, it tells you a lot about the national psyche, that that's, that's the, the title of their national anthem. But he he tried to arouse people in a unified and a dignified and a peaceful way. I think that's what he saw his role. And only when then the invasion happened, he switched track. Even just a, a little bit before that, he began to switch track. He gave a speech in Munich shortly before the war, and it was quite clear that his rhetoric was beginning to change. And it, it, it was also then, you know, repeated during that speech he gave recently, which caused even the interpreters to break down. We are fighting just for our land and for our freedom. Despite the fact that all large cities of our country are now blocked, nobody is going to, enter and intervene with our freedom and country and believe you me. He was reaching out and saying, look, we are Europe, we are one of you and Europe's fight is happening here in our country and please don't abandon us. We've been down this road before, we know what it looks like, Europe knows what it looks like and it was a very impassioned plea. I mean, he said things like, you know, every square from now on will be called Freedom Square. Freedom Square is a popular name for a lot of squares in Ukraine, but he was saying every square, it's a bit like O'Connell Avenue or O'Connell Street, but every square would be Freedom Square and that we, we will never surrender, we will never give up our independence. And that's one of the reasons why, of course, this war has not gone as planned for Russia is because ultimately, whereas the Russian government is fighting for, for empire and reestablishing its sense of what the Russian empire should be, Ukrainians are fighting for their homes, their families, their neighborhoods, and their futures. This is a remarkable story of a man who's a very ordinary man in many respects, but that's why he was popular. That's why he was elected, and and the fact that he has stayed. I mean, I, I don't think I, I I've seen so much footage, and I, I've been in contact with friends over the last few weeks, and everybody has become, in the words of Zelensky, a president. Everybody has become a hero. They pushed themselves in ways that they never thought they could. I've I, I have Ukrainian friends who are not living in Ukraine, and they have flown back to Ukraine. I mean, something again you 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 would think is extraordinary. People with families, people with relationships. And they just uh, men and women. And, 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 and uh, you know, it, it, it's just remarkable how people feel that this is their fight. And what they were asking of Europe and still are asking of Europe is, is, is not to not to abandon them. I mean, and this is this is, I think, Europe's challenge right now. And I think Zelensky has managed to articulate that plea in a particularly effective way.
0: What is it about him that makes his sentiments so moving, do you think? You obviously have praise for his conduct as a wartime president at the moment. What do you think is working for him at the moment?
1: Well, I think just at the very basic level that the old, the leaders who went b- before, or certainly some of them, not all of them, um, but I think there was the perception that if they were offered a, tr- a ticket out of Ukraine in advance of an invasion, they might have taken it. And I think that his decision to stay and fight, and as he said himself, he is target number one, his family is target number two. I think that is what has inspired people. If he had left, it would have been a very different story. You can imagine how disheartened people would have been had he left, even though it would have been an understandable thing in, in many cases. Work and sleep. That's it. Can you see your family? Kids, no. Your kids? No. I
0: can't. When was the last time you saw them? Before this war. I mean, just one last
1: question.
0: You may have already no, it. not before this war. No, three days ago. <laughs> three days. De- the middle. And he hasn't actually been able to see his family, but they have also remained in Ukraine. Donica, what do you know about that situation at the moment?
1: Well, he, his wife, I mean, he's married to to, to Elena for, for almost 20 years now. They have two children, a son and a daughter. And... Uh it's you know, it 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 is heartrending because but as I said, he doesn't in any way try to elevate his own personal circumstances above everybody else. I mean, he's he's very much presenting himself as just one person, you know, fighting the struggle and and calling on others to do likewise. And as I said, that is echoing uh, throughout Ukraine in all sorts of Heroic ways. I mean, there was that famous woman, or babushka, as they're called, the grandmother who who confronted the Russian soldiers, saying that they should put sunflower seeds in their pockets so that that when they're shot, the sunflowers would grow. Um, and you're seeing like all the the the, the you know. Tanks being stopped by ordinary people, and and I saw last night from from I think it was Mariupol, which is under siege right now. You know, a man standing up in front of a full crowd, and he was saying, you know, if we if we resist because we have no, we have virtually no weapons, if we resist, we will probably be killed. You know, I just you know, but who 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 will resist? And um, remarkably, I mean, people were all going, we will resist.
0: And all the while Zelensky is still communicating with the international community and we've seen his appearance uh, with the European Parliament.
1: So do prove that you are with us. Do prove that you will not let us go. Do prove that you indeed are Europeans and then life will win over death and light will win over Darkness, glory be
0: to Membership America. of the EU is just never an easy thing. It's always going to be complex. But do you think he's doing the right thing at the moment with that aim in mind?
1: Absolutely. I mean, even... You know, I'm sure he's he's driven by many different emotions right now, but I mean, if you look at it rationally, which is very difficult to do right now or objectively, this is the time to push Ukraine's case to Europe because, you know, think of 2014, um, we all bear this responsibility in different ways, but, you know, we forgot about Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine was already invaded, it was already occupied, and it was a big story in the spring of 2014, and then it disappeared off our consciousness. And And... I think they know that. And even though it's hard to imagine when the guns will fall silent in this particular conflict, they will. Uh, we don't know what kind of Ukraine will be left let yet. It, it is a good time for him to press his case at this time. And there is a lot of signalling that Europe is now looking at Ukraine in a very different way. And that actually, we, we'll never look at Ukraine in the same way again.
0: Thank you very much for your time, Professor Donika Obakon, Professor of Politics at Dublin City University. I'm Denise Kalnan and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Mark Donlan and sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from CNN, BBC News, France 24, Channel 4 News, Servant of the People produced by Kvartal 95 Studio and Euronews. If you enjoyed the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.